Hey, hey, welcome back to Investment Fund Seekers. I'm Bridger Pennington. So today we're going to talk about can the Fed stop the coronavirus and this what this means to a young fund. The Fed is trying to deploy a lot of money in the markets. Where can you go to make sure that money lands in your pocket? Hope you guys enjoy. Bye. I've spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious fund managers around. And now I've decided to take the plunge and start my own fund. The real question is, how will I do it? With no investors and without an Ivy League degree, this podcast is going to give you the answer. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we start and build multi-million dollar investment funds. I'm Bridger Pennington, and this is Investment Fund Secrets. Hey, welcome back to Investment Fund Secrets. I'm Bridger Pennington. So today we're going to talk about can the Fed stop the coronavirus and what this means for a young fund. So the past couple of weeks have been wild in the markets, in the world, essentially. And I've been, I don't know about you guys, I've been glued to the TV screen, to watching the news of what is going on, especially what's happening in the financial world. I'm not, me personally, I'm not so concerned about the actual virus. Yes, it is. You know, we need to be careful and stuff, but I'm way more concerned with just the nature of my business about what is happening in the markets, what the Fed is doing. So this episode, we're going to dive into the Fed's announcing low interest rates, what that means for a young fund, how their their new products they're launching, how what opportunity this creates for a young fund that I plan to do once we winter, kind of get through this storm and the spring comes. And also I'm going to share, I actually got uh, some notes from Goldman Sachs at a recorded call with 1,700 companies yesterday to their investors uh, that all dialed in. And they, I have some of the notes from their chief economists of what they think is going to happen in the near future. Pretty cool stuff. So that's what we're going to dive into today. Sound good? Okay, let's kick things off. So first thing, um, last week in our mastermind, so we have a mastermind program. If you guys don't know what that is, we have a select group, about a hundred people right now um, that we all talk about funds. We're all launching funds. They're in our kind of our bigger program, whatever. On Friday, I had my dad come on. My dad, John Pennington, is a co-founder of a $20 billion family of funds. Come on, he's an, he loves economics. I mean, he's kind of a, a whiz on all that kind of stuff and then has a lot of insights from their board meetings of what's going on. So he came onto our mastermind and talked through his thoughts on what's happening in the markets, what's going on there. So uh, a few kind of interesting insights that he talked about. We first talked about Fed cutting rates. Now they've done this before. Um, <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Uh, Fed cutting rates to, I guess, help the blow of the the economic downturn. I mean, we've had a bull market for a long time. It was it was kind of due, but the coronavirus has really has really accelerated that. A lot of people are worried about the ripple effects in the economy from what's going to happen. Airline tr- gets shut down. That means tourism gets shut down. That means all businesses associated with tourisms, uh, ski resorts, Disneyland. I'm, I mean, all, all those kind of places. And then the ripple effects of those people being unemployed, it's just, it goes across the entire economy. Right now they're, they're talking about recession fears. If we have two quarters that go in negative and they're thinking this quarter will be and maybe next quarter that we will, we're having kind of recession looming right now. Um, so Fed announced rate cuts almost to zero which is unheard of lowest rates ever. And so I, my first question I asked my dad was, well, are they going to go negative? What are your thoughts? And he's been talking about negative interest rates since, I mean, last June. He's been, he's like, he's every like Sunday, I go eat dinner with my dad. And he's like, Bridget, we got to talk about negative interest rates. It does not make sense. We have Germany, we have Japan, we have all these European countries that have negative interest rates. Now, what that kind of means is, this is kind of the example he gave me, at least that kind of made sense. So it's, it's almost like, Hey, 
I, I have, I'm sitting on a beach. You walk up to me and you say, Bridger, Hey, I have a cup of sand. Can you hold this cup of sand for me? And I look around and I have money, you know, money or sand everywhere around me. I'm like, uh, sure. I guess I'll watch your cup of sand for you. It's gonna, I'm going to charge you a couple pennies for it. And you say, great. Thank you so much. And you come back uh, an hour later and I uh, take some sand out of it or some pennies out of it and give you back your sand. It's a guaranteed loss, negative interest rates. If you're buying a negative over 30 years, you were guaranteeing a loss of, you know, 0.5% for 30 years. That's what, it just doesn't make sense, right? If you look back, there's no like economics book that is written that talks about negative interest rates before, I mean, like 2010. Um, and I was, I was listening to a couple interviews done by um, CEOs of Goldman Sachs, Wells Fargo, JP Morgan, all these major banks. And they were saying negative interest rates would be very detrimental to our economy, to the, the world essentially, because we have built our financial system and models on the fact that we have positive interest rates, right? Uh, so <laughs> they were, they were very hesitant and didn't want that to happen. And, and, um, Powell came out and said they were not going to go negative. That was his current plan, but they're going to go very close to zero. We'll see in the future too. Maybe not this, this market cycle, but maybe the next one, maybe they do go negative. I'm not sure. Um, but the fed steps in, right? Puts rates really low. And their whole goal is to try to put as much money into the economy as possible, right? They had a $1.5 trillion plan last week. They're putting another $400 billion in the next couple of days, um, all that kind of stuff. So uh, very interesting what they're trying to do is try to have liquidity. What happened in 2008, 2009 was their banks were not lending. Everyone just cut what they were doing. In my fund right now, I run a small debt fund and that's kind of what we did last week. We were like, we are, we are not letting any more money leave our bank account, right? We need to cut whatever's happening. And that's what a lot of banks did before. They just said, we're going to cut and freeze until things get better. Now, what that does to economy, if no one is shopping or spending money and no one can get money, uh, things turn out really bad. So the Fed is stepping in saying, we want to provide a ton of liquidity, a ton of money for the entire economy, and hopefully can trickle down to small business owners, um, right? So people like me and you that can get money from the Fed, because right now the Fed's giving it to major banks and they're hoping those banks will deploy it to small businesses, to people, but they might not, right? Where does that money actually come to people like me and you? So the Fed's trying to give you money. That's essentially what's happening. The Fed is trying to give you money. So how can we as small fund managers get in the the place to receive that money. So I, this is before all this happened two weeks ago, I had called into a bank, a couple of banks, and I was looking for lines of credit from bank lines. Of credit. That means I can leverage my fund to get more money, right? And get a better IRR. I call in, they approved me over the phone in five minutes without knowing who I was. They gave me, uh, they approved me for, I think it was 300 grand at 4%. And I was like, really? Like over the phone, that was it. And I was like, wow, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> and so I wonder now I'm going to go back this next week, week and week or two, go back to those same banks. I'm going to hit up every credit union, small, um, small credit unions in local areas are sometimes really good too. Cause they, you know, it's like, it's kind of hard to go to chase bank. Now, maybe though with a stimulus package, maybe chase bank will really give you a good line of credit or a good loan. Um, small credit unions are the same way though, right? They are just looking to deploy capital. They need to, to put money in the markets. Um, you might be a good candidate to go to them. Now, a lot of lines of credit, they're going to make you put up personal assets. So I, with mine, they made me put up personal assets, personally guarantee it, which is kind of a hard pill to swallow. But most fund managers, until you have a, a good, I mean, I'm, I'm probably saying four to six year track record 
of good net returns every year, they're not gonna lend directly on the fund. Now they will rent, lend on real estate. So that's a little bit different if you're running a real estate fund, they will lend on that and they'll just hold the real estate as collateral. Might be a great place to be. But I'm the, the thing I'm, I'm trying to bring up is put yourself in an opportunity with your hand open to get that money from the Fed. The Fed is trying to give money to you. Put yourself in a position to get that money. If we can survive this winter, we can thrive in the spring. There's gonna be a ton of opportunity. That's what we talked about on Friday with my dad and another fund manager that interviewed this is, this is what cycles are good for. This is why we love cycles is because it creates a lot of opportunity in the markets. So a few things that, that I've already seen happen um, that maybe are more short-term, um, but could cascade into longer-term things as the, as the world kind of shifts with this virus. Uh, just to give you an example, there was, there was one entrepreneur in China. He's made $1.5 billion since January 1st. Him personally netted that. He has an online school, right? And they're just crushing it, right? Um, online education, info products. Um, think about what people are doing at home. People still want to spend money. People still want to have fun. They still, but they're going to be at home, right? What are areas and opportunities that you could bring value to the market in those places? Now, another thing that's kind of interesting, right? This, at least reports tell us the coronavirus is kind of like the seasonal flu or cold. It likes colder climate. So it's right now it's in the Northern hemisphere um, where it's a little bit colder. South America, um, warmer climate areas right now are not as effective. Uh, you know, there, there's a huge opportunity there for, for imports, exports. A lot of supply chains are broken now with China and with Northern hemisphere countries. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity for opening up supply chains with Southern hemisphere countries that maybe, maybe they have the, the ability. We just haven't looked at them before. A lot of opportunity there. Um, anyways, I'm not going to go through all these things, but there are a lot of opportunities that are created when a market cycle. So instead of being scared, instead of being nervous, put on your cap, put on your like fund. If you haven't started a fund yet, or you're looking to transition, like right now with my fund, our funds done well for the past two and a half, three years. It's done really well. And we've had an up economy. And right now we are pulling back. We're just trying to be conservative. We're still issuing loans. I do debt. We've still issued, like we issued four loans yesterday um, to different companies. We do small business loans and other type of deals. And we did four yesterday. And we're, so we're pulling back, but we're still, um, still moving forward. And we're trying to predict what's going to happen in the next little bit. Now this, this next part I want to share with you comes from a Goldman Sachs call. They had 15, I think I misspoke earlier, 1500 companies dialed in. And, uh, these are the notes that from, uh, this is Goldman Sachs chief economist of what they were thinking. I don't know if I should share these notes. I don't know if it's like confidential, but here we are. I got a, I got a copy of them and, <laughs> and I'm going to share a, a few key takeaways. So this is what their economists predict. They say, they predict 50% of Americans are going to contract the virus. So about 150 million people, because it's very commutable. Um, this is on par with the common cold. There are about 200 strains of that per year. They believe that 70% of Germany is, is going to contract it. And the peak of the virus is going to be expected over the next eight weeks. So relatively soon, the peak is going to hit over the next eight weeks. Um, they believe the virus is contracted uh, 30 to 50 degrees north latitude, meaning it likes the, the colder climates, which I mentioned just a minute ago. Um, they talked about mortality rate is up to around 2%, mostly elderly people that, and sometimes they don't really know, right, would they have died anyways? Would they have died with just a common cold or the flu? It is deadly. That's why we're taking precautions as a country. Um, now, the debate is how to address the virus pre-vaccine. The U.S. is tending towards a quarantine. 
the United Kingdom is tending towards allowing it to just spread to the population and hopefully their population can develop a natural immunity. That's what they're kind of trending toward. The United States is like quarantine, we're gonna keep everyone inside. UK is like, let's all get it and just have a immunity to it. Um, now, if they do that, the UK, it'll spread faster and have a longer spike. The US slowing it down and quarantining it will have a longer drawn out curve um, where the virus will continue, but it'll be longer and we can, you know, our healthcare system can accommodate people. Um, they don't have this big influx all at one time. Um, they, uh, this is still going on from, this is Goldman Sachs economists. So they say China's economy has been largely impacted, which has affected raw materials and the global supply chain. It may take up to six months for it to fully recover. Global GDP growth rate will be lowest in 30 years at around 2%. S and P 500 be a negative growth rate of negative 15 to negative 20% for 2020 overall. There will be negative damage from the virus itself, but the real damage is driven mostly by market psychology. Viruses have been with us forever. Stock markets should fully recover in the second half of the year. So they're very confident that markets will be back fully recovered because the fun thing is everyone has cash is king right now. Everyone, even gold is dropping, right? People aren't even investing in gold or, or 10 or 30 year treasuries. People are just holding cash. The US dollar right now is king. Once this virus goes away, what are, what are they going to do? They're going to put it right back into the markets, into the economy. Um, so, and they, they finish up their, uh, their thing. This is, they, they say, this is not like 2008. This is more like 9-11. This is a crisis, not a, a total financial collapse. This is more of a crisis mode, something like 9-11, where things should bounce back relatively soon. Um, which when I read this, it gave me a lot of, uh, a lot of comfort, um, about what's kind of happened. So there that's, you know, Goldman Sachs, they got some good comments over there. We'll see if they're correct over the next six months, but that's kind of what they thought, which was, which is very interesting. Um, so to finish up this episode, the fed, I, my key takeaway is the fed is trying to give you money. The fed wants to give you money, put yourself in a position where you could effectively grab that money at a very low interest rate. After this is over, what do you think interest rates are going to do? They're probably going to go up a little bit, right? This might be a really good time. Now, I don't know right now or next week or in three weeks is going to be the best time. I don't know, but I'm saying the near future is a really good time to secure a line of credit. I'm like, I'm going to go get a personal line of credit for me because I know in the next three, five years, I'm going to have different real estate projects. I'm going to have different fund ideas. I'm going to have different things where I want to deploy my own personal capital at a really low rate, 4%, 3%. Are you kidding me? Um, that's amazing, right? If you can secure a line and then you just draw down that line of credit, um, should be some very, very good opportunity for you to secure a significantly cheaper cost of capital moving forward with your fund or personal finances. Anyways, hope this episode helped you guys. Um, love you all. And I'll see you next episode. Bye.